Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fuck it, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. I'm Bill O'Reilly, and this is the O'Reilly Factor. Why? Uh, why? A podcast. Why are you doing this? What, Sophie? I have like a Bill? really hot beverage in my hand. If I spill it during this, I'm going to be really mad at you. Well, everyone's mad at Bill O'Reilly because he speaks the truth, Sophie. I'm mad at you. Uh, well, that's fair. This is Behind the Bastards, a podcast about the worst people in all of history, one of whom is, in fact, Bill O'Reilly. Um, <laughs> That's true. But we are we are not talking about Bill O'Reilly today. We are instead talking about Bobby Fischer, chess Nazi. Um, also featured in the Hilltop Hood song, Cosby Sweater, which is not about Bill Cosby's crimes. It's actually a reference to Biggie, so it's okay. It's fine. You can enjoy the song. Mia, how are you doing? Ah, doing okay. We're 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 <laughs> we're, 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 we're heading into the downhill stretch of this this Friday afternoon, and also the downhill stretch of the life of one Bobby Fisher. So that's good. That's good. I am ready for it to be the downhill stretch of Bobby <laughs> Fisher's life. Unfortunately, um, it gets really bad before it gets over. So it hasn't been good yet. So that's uh, it's good. Yeah. It, it, we we uh, it's it's only getting worse from here that's, on out. What I like gets better to hear. the end. Okay, well let's uh let's ruin roll. ruin my Friday afternoon, please. <laughs> so all right, when, when we last le- when we last left the hero of American chess, Bobby Fischer was the hero of the free world, the chess world champion, and also like people are just like like just just the. De- dropping piles of money on him and he refuses to pick any of it up he does just no promotions everyone wants to like pay him and he's just like no he does do one thing after this and that one that one offer that he does take is to go play a tournament in the philippines in 1973 awesome this is where fisher gets into the business he's going to be in for the rest of his life which is the dictator business now Okay, it's important to note that this is the year 1973, right? Uh, 
This is the year after future pod subject Ferdinand Marcos staged his military coup and became a dictator of the Philippines. Uh, he is about to torture... Well, I mean, he has already tortured people. He's going to torture tens of thousands of people. Uh, he's going to inflict a rate of terror on the beleaguered people of the Philippines. And Fisher just spends this whole tournament there, like, hanging out with Marcos and his wife. And oh, he's having a that great sounds time. Like, that sounds like one of the worst dinners imaginable. <laughs> he likes um, it, apparently. I'm, like, I'm sure he liked it. I'm saying it sounds like one of, like, the, oh, the dinner absolutely. conversation. Um, just, just absolute, like, trashed here oh god yeah no no one has ever well actually that's not true they did they did actually accuse bobby fisher of having good taste before he proved them wrong but okay it's you know he he like this is one of the places that like always sort of sticks with bobby fisher like he 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 likes the philippines so much that like he he's gonna move here eventually and fisher's reaction to you know the, the marcus dictatorship is like this rules i love it um and eventually, okay, tournament ends. He is back to the U.S. And there's good news and bad news. The good news is that uh, he breaks with the Church of God because their doomsday prophecies keep failing. <laughs> He's literally the only guy to ever do yeah. that. <laughs> he, was, he really just was like, okay, we're on doomsday prophecy number four. Like... None of them are working. So he, he gets it. So that's the good news. Yay, he's out of the cult. Uh, the bad news is that one of the first things he does when he comes back to California is buy a copy of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that's that's yeah. great. Great move, Bobby. This is going to send him in some good directions, I think. Because yep, yep. so far, my main problem with this guy is he's not yet keyed in enough on esoteric Nazi oh, propaganda. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the other book that he gets is called Nature's Eternal Religion by Ben Classen, who Ooh, is like now that's that's yeah. that's actually esoteric very yeah, good he, he, oh yeah ben Bobby, nice is like, work he's like a weirdo he's a really fanatical like racist and anti-semite he, he's one of these guys who is like like christianity is actually jewish so i uh, it's 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 not like white enough so we need to be like not christians and he he's the he's the founder of okay so the, the thing that he founds is the world church of the creator which concerns in the creativity movement and they're they're most famous for producing the mass shooter ben smith and i, I need to make yep. a note here this is not the shooter named the mass shooter named ben smith from portland from last year this is a completely no, unrelated no. mass shooter named ben smith from 1999 and, and look if you're listening to this podcast and you're also a ben smith you your asses we we got an eye on you motherfucker be careful don't do any bad things. Yeah, please, God. We don't need a, we don't need a third Ben. It, it, it was played out after the first time. It was played out before the first time, it too. It was definitely played we, out we don't before need the a thir- first third time. One is, third time is not the charm. <laughs> do not. Enough Enough with the Ben Smith anyway. It, 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 make yeah, Ben so Smith this, just a normal name again. This, this Ben Smith goes on just like a murderous rampage shooting black Jewish and Asian people before just like going out like a tiny baby in a car chase. And... At, at this point, but Bobby's getting like real weird with his anti-Semitism. He sends his two Jewish friends a copy of a book called "The Secret World Government" by Oh God, I, I actually I okay, I, I I have confidence I can kind of do this name, Major General Count Chirup Spiridonovich. Which, by the way, no, that book- no, that's not a name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> you you need to walk me through how that fucking thing is spelled because I simply don't believe it's, you. It's C H E R E P dash. S-P-I-R-I-D-O-V-I-C-H. What kind of fucking what wait, sorry, what kind of place is this motherfucker from? Uh, this 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 
guy is a Russian white, uh, Russian white. Well, he was originally a Russian admiral, and then like a Russian white army. Yeah, admiral. yeah. He's a, so he's in the fucking pro czarist. See, yeah. Look, I you're not gonna hear me stand up for the Bolsheviks all that often, but my I'm, God, did those people wait, suck? Like wait, my look, anyone, any any culture that's putting out names like that. You, you, you're you gonna have to line some people up in a basement I'm sorry it's the only yeah, thing to do with names like that th- th- this is one of those guys who like they absolutely should have shot mm-hmm. uh, he's no he that, is that, like uh, unacceptable name yeah well and also he, he's like he's like a major guy who's like he, he's he's basically like an anti-semitism organizer yeah so like, that he, sounds he, right for the white army he, yeah so, so he, he writes this book about how a Jewish Mongol cabal is running the world? Oh sure, yeah, no, the uh, no, that honestly, that that's I, I actually I'm back to having respect for this guy because that is not one I have heard of every kind of Jewish cabal except for a Jewish Mongol cabal. That's I, okay, so that's very I, good. I, I I think I actually I I I okay my 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 understanding of this is that this this is a thing about like. There, no, there, make, there, there are certain sense. kinds of yeah, yeah. there's like kinds of Russian nationalists who are like insane about the Mongolian like the the invasion. Well, and the, Mongolia, there's a, and I like, mean a big a big part of especially this era of of anti. I mean it, it it bleeds through to today. But one of the big things Hitler would talk about is the idea that like all forms of uh, social justice and tolerance are Jewish plots. And the Mongols, yeah. for all of their flaws, were pretty tolerant of other religions, right? So, like that that was like a factor in their governance. Like they didn't really care. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, they, they, what they, you they, believed? They, yeah, they, 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 okay, like they did yeah, lots they're, of they're, genocides, they're, they're, but not yeah, because you believed something. Yeah, so it's not different. because religion. It's it, their, their mode of genocide is: are you a pastoralist or not? <laughs> Which is mm-hmm. a, a different, a very different thing from. So I can I can see someone being like, well, the Mongols were tolerant of other religions, and uh, so that's part of this like Judeo-Bolshevik conspiracy to water down, yeah, Orthodox Christendom. Except he thinks the Mongols are like still. Like it's a, it's a it's a Mongol Jewish I don't know it, it, he's he's very weird is it, is it like, like the Mongol equivalent of the guys who think that the Queen of England still secretly rules the world <laughs> I I don't know I I I didn't read this book because I was like I'm I'm not I I yeah. can't I I have I read so much bullshit for this episode yes. <laughs> I was like absolutely not Look, uh, find a find a Mongol and ask them are you secretly running the world. I well, I have family in Inner Mongolia. Do your own research, which people. is not actual Mongolia, but it's pretty close. I, I, I could probably get across the border. I, I have always wanted to go. Uh, I want to go specifically for Nadam, which is like this this big multi day. Everybody goes to the city Ulaanbaatar and they wrestle and do horseback archery and drink heavily. And it sounds like exactly <laughs> sounds like the kind rips. of thing that I want to do. Yeah, it sounds like it fucking rips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Unfortunately, back at things that don't rip. Uh, Fisher, like he's just full on, like, like entering his Nazi crank phase. Like he, well, okay. So I, I point out that that book we were talking about. He sends that to like a Jewish couple who's been his friends since like childhood, and they just stop talking to him because they're like, Bobby, what the fuck? Yeah, um, Bobby. He also like people keep trying to write books about him, and he keeps trying to sue them. Because he's like, no one can write about me unless they're me. And everyone's like, that's that's not how the that law is, works. That's not how writing works, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sorry. Okay. And, you know, the, 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 the sort of peak of this is in, 19, in 1975, he's supposed to defend his world championship, right? And Manila offers $5 million to host the event as like a PR thing for his old buddy Ferdinand uh, Marcos. And this is this is still, this is $27 million in today's money. Which is like, and, and, and in 1975, like that is a that is a truly terrifying amount of money. Yes, 
And Bobby is like, no, I, I will not play this tournament unless you agree to change the fo- format of, like, the championship to this weird format where, like... Okay, so normally the way scoring works in chess is if you get a, if you have a draw, both players get half a point. And if, you, and if you win, you get one point. And you try to get to, like, a certain number of points. Sure. And Bobby's like, no, no, no. Draws no longer give you any points. Uh, we, you play an unlimited number of games to get to 10 wins. And if they both are at 9-9, nine, nine, it's, like... There's a draw, and Fisher keeps being the champion. And okay. Fide, Fide is like, okay, like... Sounds a little stacked in his favor, like he was complaining about the Russians being, but yeah, all right. Yeah, and, and, and Fide is like, okay, like, whatever, fine. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll let you do this. Like, the 9-9 thing is kind of a normal... There have been rules previously where, like, if the score is a tie, the world champion keeps being the world champion because they haven't been defeated. Okay. But... But Fide is like, okay, we cannot let you play an infinite number of games because if like you can act, you could actually just get an infinite number of games, right? Because chess draws a lot. And Fide is like, come on, man, like we'll cap it at 36 games. That That's enough. And Fide is, and Fisher is like, okay, you do this or I'm out. And the, the chess federation's like, okay, he's bluffing, right? He'll come around eventually. Uh, Fisher, instead of doing that, resigns his title because he says uh, Fide won't let me defend it, so I'm resigning. Which, like, that is not what happens. <laughs> like, it, it, it's not that Fide didn't let you defend your title. It's you refuse to play unless they stack the rules the way you wanted them to be, and then you like resigned. Huh. It's very weird. And, and at this point, so the guy who was supposed to play was Anatoly Karpov, who's like uh, uh, of the, the the famous Kasparov Karpov rivalry, and Karpov is really pissed. But okay. there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like you can't, you can't force Bobby Fischer to play chess. So Karpov just becomes the world champion because Fischer refuses to show up. Well, uh, okay, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good call. I don't know. Seems, seems like you're making the right move for your career. Yeah, you know, at this point, Fisher is busy doing other stuff. And by doing other stuff, I mean, he's turning into like a weird fitness bro guy. Um, Oh, awesome. Oh, man, is he becoming like a fucking like fucking chest influencer? Like, is he is he going? He's doing he's doing a reverse Andrew Tate. No, but but here's here's the thing, though. Well, actually, he's just doing an Andrew Tate. No, because he's not actually becoming an influence. This next phase of his life is he spends 20 years basically in the wilderness. Oh, and. Not huh. talking to anyone, and so well, this I right. support actually. Yeah, also, it's always reappearance, I think which Fisher is a disaster. was actually good at chess, unlike Andrew Tate. That's true. Who oh, cried. yeah. Also, what one of my theses of this episode is that Fisher's not actually as good as everyone thinks he is. Just that nobody had ever seen real chess in the night in like the fucking nineteen seventies. Like, I, I I will do this rant later, but okay. So here 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 is Bobby Fischer. What what he's fucking doing while he's not playing the, the world championship he's supposed to be playing in. Quote: Every day he'd drink one or two pint glasses of carrot juice, one right after another. Dozens of bottles of vitamin pills, Indian herbal medicines, Mexican rattlesnake pills, lotions, and exotic Jesus. teas were piled on tables and ledges everywhere, all to keep him on what he believed was a strict healthful diet and to treat some ailments he had from time to time uh-huh so he's taking rattlesnake pill he also this is the other thing he Real like won't go to guy. doctors very <laughs> yeah. very normal man yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's so, so you know the, he, he basically like locks himself in his apartment and, and what he spends all of his time doing is like looking over chess games and then yelling about the moves people play so loudly that like people will walk past his apartment and hear someone yelling and be like what the fuck is going on here uh, the, the second thing awesome. that he's doing 
And and this is another like kind of famous Fisher story is that he's walking around handing out Nazi pamphlets, which oh okay yeah he, he, but but the, the thing about this that's very and this this is okay th- this is like fully his crank phase right because if he wanted to be like an actual Nazi propagandist he could have gone to the media and started talking about them but instead what he's doing is he's literally like like standing on the street corner with pamphlets and then like putting Nazi pamphlets on like people's windshields well I mean. I guess I do prefer that to. Oh, definitely. He, the he's not, not a very version of this. Active, not well. Okay, well, we'll get to what he is good at. But while this is going on, he he refuses to like take work or like make any money from endorsements. Which again, everyone is trying to pay him. He just refuses yeah. to sign contracts at this point because he's so paranoid. Um, and so this means that he has no money, right? And he blows through all of his original chess world championship money. And in order to, like, survive, he starts living off his sister's social security checks. <laughs> he, like, he's, he's doing he's actually doing a reverse Hitler here. Yeah, he, he has fully turned into like a, mm-hmm. into a California beach bum. He's like, yeah. like moving from rented room to rented room. Like, yeah, he he at one point he moves in with his sister, but like she kicks him out of his house for his anti-Semitism. Wait, so she's. She's but wait, is he stealing the money from her or is she giving it to him? She just doesn't yeah. want him in the house. I guess that makes sense. Well, because like she this is like like uh, but basically until this incident where he gets like even till the end of his life, really, like his mom still keeps in touch with him. Like they're still talking, but they yeah. like have an agreement never to talk about politics because Fisher will start ranting about uh, anti-Semitic world conspiracies. Yeah, I mean, that's normally. Yeah, OK, very, very. I, yeah, I. I. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Bobby Fisher. I'm not going to I'm not yeah, going to backseat I, he, Bobby Fisher's mom. Her she's she's made a lot of mistakes, though. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would argue a lot of it isn't her fault. Like it was like a, a lot of a lot of what happens to Bobby Fisher is literally just like, do you know how hard it is to raise two children as a single mom who also has sure. who also was working class in like in 19 like 19 after 45 yeah yeah like yeah, yeah it, it's like it's it's i don't know she, she she has a hard time but she has like an impossible task and i don't know maybe maybe don't let him go to cuba with the the, the guy wearing the, the swastika pin but i don't know the, the, the other thing that's going on in this period i, also, I feel it, like wait this was castro cuba right no, that that was that was pre. Okay, no, this was yeah, this is Batista Cuba. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. I, I feel like Castro Cuba. Cuba probably wouldn't let a guy with a swastika pin in, right? That well, has to he, be one he, thing they'd be good be about. To yeah. to be fair, to be fair, he did really like Franco. So, yeah. Well, okay. you never know. You never know. Okay. So the, the other thing about Fisher, like his one of his other big, things, he he's he's just like from the time he wins the world championship, he becomes absolutely convinced that the KGB are trying to kill him. And so he starts walking around with like, like basically like belts of potions that are supposed to save him <laughs> if they're trying to poison him. Uh, at one point later, he starts wearing like the modern equivalent of like, like a 1600s buff coat. He's wearing this like leather jacket that's like, like five inches thick because he's awesome. like, if they try to stab me, <laughs> the coat will stop. He's, he's okay. Uh, you know what? Amazing. I was, I was worried you were going to be like, yeah, he started walking around with a bunch of guns and this was going to go in a dark direction, no, 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 no. but potions he's, and leather armor is pretty yeah. cool. He is, he is kitted out. Like he's heading to Baldur's gate <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> yeah and, 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 like, as a result of this right he like 
it gets to the point where n- nobody even recognizes him as Bobby Fischer anymore. Um, there's at one point, th- there's a very famous story about him where, so, okay, he, he, he's in California. He's like wandering around the streets and there's a, there's a robbery nearby and the cops think that he matches the description of the, of the suspect. And so they arrest him and then they just keep him there because they think he's sketchy. <laughs> and he, a- after this happens, he writes this pamphlet called, I was tortured in the Pasadena jailhouse. And I- I'm going to read a little bit of it because I-, I think it gets at what's going on in his mind at this point. I was immediately handcuffed in a brutal fashion. The police pushed my hands away, way up my back and caused me considerable discomfort and pain. Later, I saw that the metal had torn into the flesh of both my wrists. I was put in a police car, but I was unable to move far back enough for them to close the door because there was some kind of hump in the middle of the back seat. After several attempts to shut the door by brutally pushing my right leg with his left leg, the officer finally succeeded in closing the door by pushing my leg in with the door itself that that sentence has been going on for like a century yeah later i saw that my right knee had turned black and blue and like he you know it, like I, he the stuff he's talking about like he starts ta- he talks about how he was like stripped naked and like forced to stay in an empty cell with no food or water and like a lot of people kind of make fun of this and i think this is absolutely plausible like yeah this is all stuff that like you know people people who i know have been in jail have like had cops do this to you because yeah cops but on the other hand, he's like fully in crank mode now. And he's fully convinced that like this entire thing is a setup and it's been like orchestrated by like, well, the Jews because he's unbelievably anti-Semitic at this point. He, he's convinced that like this whole thing is like a, a government plot. And, you know, the, the thing about this, right, is if he'd actually gone to like the New York Times and been like, hey, I got tortured by the cops, they would have covered it, right? Like, he, every, everyone still wants to talk to him, but instead, he's fully he's fully a crank now, and he just, like, publishes his pamphlet with, like, $1,000 of his own money and, like, walks around handing out copies, like, on the street to people. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, like, like people are, people are like, just... This is, like, the 1980s. They're still just throwing money at him, right? Like, at one point... So people were willing to take to spend ten thousand dollars, literally, just to take his picture, and he's like, "No, you, no, you can't take a picture of me." For, you, you, no, and you know th- this is this is how he spends the eighties. It's just sort of like another crank, like on the street, screaming about like Jewish conspiracies. And, and I think like if he was in twenty twenty three, right? I think he actually would have done great. Like he, you know, he'd have, yeah. he'd, he'd basically would have been he basically would have been ye right. He'd have a podcast. He'd have like a yeah. giant entourage of like people who kind of have their shit together, but who are also Nazis. But like, you know, part of part of the thing about this period is you know the 1980s have the white power movement, but they don't have the kind of like media infrastructure that like someone like Alex Jones or for example has. No, right? like, they're they're just starting to build it. You've yeah. got guys. What year is this again? Uh, well, it's, 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 it's like the whole 1980s. I, I think it's yeah, like yeah. A, you, so you've got yeah. guys like Tom Metzger and David yeah. Duke and they're building media, but most of it is like what you'd call zines and stuff coming out. You yeah. do have stuff like the Liberty Lobby, Willis Carto. Oh, we're going to get to is that. Is out there with, <laughs> yeah, a lot more kind of a, 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 a sophisticated stuff, but it is, it is not, they do not have the kind of media reach that they, yeah. they have today. And, and, and the other thing about this, right? Like, I, so it's not clear to me if any of these guys ever tried to contact Fisher. Um, it's possible they did, but the problem is his only point of contact was that Jewish family that he sends sent all his anti-Semitic conspiracies to. So no one can actually get in contact with him because, like, his friends just stopped talking to him because they were like, "Okay, you're too much of an anti-Semite." Like, I, I'm Jewish. Like, okay. But eventually, in 1990, Boris Spassky 
like fi- I, I don't I don't remember exactly how he did it. He fun he finally finds some way to like get in contact with Fisher about doing like a rematch of the world championship with like two point five million dollars on the line. Um Spassky's original partner like pulls out of this because he realizes that Bobby Fisher is a Nazi and these were the heady days when like people occasionally would see someone who's a Nazi and be like, I'm not gonna work with this guy. But you know who will work wait shit. That's oh boy. Um uh, you know who won't work with Nazis? That's right. That's right. That's right. The podcasters who uh, advertise the advertisements who podcast on this shit. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, we're back. Wow, that was easily our best pull to advertising. Uh, Sophie had to drop off because her phone is ringing off the hook from companies that want us to represent them on our show. Oh, is, 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 uh, is, uh, is Exxon mobile on the phone, Sophie? Oh, that's a huge get. I'm very excited. Mia, we, we got the Exxon mobile account. Um, yay. yay. Very excited. Exxon mobile's going green. So by, I don't know, let's say 2070 or shit. So zero, Zero emissions from Exxon. Everybody, 
Get on the Exxon train. We, they, they I, will have I love Exxon. Every single oil rig green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Exxon. Exxon's Exxon's goal is no animals harmed by oil spills by 2050, and they're going to make that a reality by nuking the ocean. Wow, brave, heroic, courageous. Thank you, Exxon. Anyway, Mia, let's continue. So, all right. When we last saw Bobby Fisher, right? He he. Pe- people people are refusing to work with him because he's a Nazi. So okay, what 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 he, what is he saying that people are like this guy's a Nazi? Um, eventually, a he has like a kind of relationship. He he's like how old is he in the nineties? Like late forties. Has this kind of relationship with like an eighteen year old? Yep. And oh, he's going to do mm, this like multiple uh, times mm, in the course of his okay. life. Okay, um, yeah, that's not great. That's and, not and ideal. To, to be fair, to, it's not great. To be fair to Bobby Fischer, I don't. I, I couldn't find any evidence that he actually did anything with anyone underage. But he he really seems to like like eighteen and nineteen year olds. Um, and, and at one point, one of like this this woman named Kita uh like gets a talking to him, and uh this this is this is a description of what of what he's saying. <laughs> This is still in night. This is like in like 1990. He told her that the reason he wasn't playing like chess was because the Russians cheat. And over the course of future letters and phone calls, he elaborated on his theory regarding how the games played by Kasparov and Karpov had all been prearranged, and that he believed that Kasparov and Karpov were actually agents of the Russian regime. He asked if she was Jewish. Everyone who was Soviet and everyone who was Jewish cannot be trusted. He affirmed. So, all right. On the one hand, we 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 got some anti-Semitism here. Um, but I also, I also want to, uh, there's two other things I want to focus on. One is that, okay, A, he's still mad about those people drawing in a tournament in 1970. It's now 1990. And two, okay, so like, th- there was kind of collusion going on between some of the Soviet grandmasters. The Kasparov and Karpov games, and I cannot emphasize this enough, are absolutely not being rigged. This is nonsense. Kasparov and Karpov, for people who don't know, are like the two best chess... Karpov basically from about 1975, and then Kasparov comes in in like the mid-80s. And these two are the best, indisputably the best players in the world who aren't named Bobby Fischer for like this entire period. And, okay, I actually think Kasparov's better than Fischer was at his height, but Kasparov never never gets to play him. Um, Kasparov and Karpov play like a bunch of world championships against each other, and they fucking hate each other. It's not clear to me if any other two players in the entire history of competitive chess have ever hated each other as much as Kasparov and Karpov do. Uh, Like, Kasparov, like, to this day, is a Russian dissident. Karpov is, like, the Soviet golden boy. As as best as I could tell, like, to this... This rivalry starts in the 80s. It is now 2023. They still hate each other. Um, Karpov's now a Putin loyalist. Uh, Kasparov's still, I guess, a Russian dissident. Like, at, at one point, it gets to the point where... In one of the world championship matches, both sides have like rivaling groups of like hypnotists and mystics in each like sitting sitting in the room trying to like like hypnotize and counteract the hypnosis. It's it's wild. These people just like I cannot emphasize enough how much these people despise each other and how much Bobby Fischer has just like completely gone off the rails arguing that this whole thing is staged. And Fisher, meanwhile, is like he's living in his, his tiny apartment that is just entirely filled with a combination of like books and of cassette tapes that he recorded of his anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And I tried to track these down and I, I couldn't find them. I don't know. Maybe they exist somewhere. But um, from Endgame, apparently they were materials for, quote, a book that would prove how the Soviets cheated in chess. 
Oh, now, and the, other, the other thing he's still mad about is uh, Nixon, it turned out, actually lied to him when he said he could come to the White House and never let him go to the White House, which I guess <laughs> is what you get for, for trusting Richard Nixon. <laughs> yeah, not 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 ever going to be your best bet. And he is still mad about this. Like 20 years later, he is like incensed. <laughs> he didn't get to go to the White House. But while all of this is going on be, be behind the scenes, the, the cranks are still turning on this sort of like comeback match like Bobby Fischer, Boris Spassky, like world championship rematch thing. And eventually they find someone willing to pay $5 million for a match. That guy's name is, oh boy, I, 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 Jedizmir Vilesevic. He's often just called Gazda Jezda, which is roughly means uh, Jezda the boss, who is the president yeah. of the Judo Skandik Bank in what remains of Yugoslavia. <laughs> And it, it is at this point in the career of Bobby Fischer, as he is about to play his first professional match of chess in almost 20 years in the remains of Yugoslavia that we need to talk about the Bosnian genocide. Oh, boy. So Hooray. before we go on, yeah, I, I, not, not, not. I'm going to, I'm going to bet he has fun opinions on, on Bosnians. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's, oh boy. So, all right. And before we go any further, I, I need to lay out an accusation here, which is that I think, that most of the chess accounts of Bobby Fischer's actions in this period are at the very least lying to their readers by omission. And I think a lot of them are actively engaging in genocide denial by not telling their readers like what is going on in Yugo in like quote unquote Yugoslavia, because yeah, it's not I mean, really people, Yugoslavia at this point. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah. it's Serbia and uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, right? Um, well, and, and like, you know, and the, the other thing about this, right, is that like the, the, the place that Bobby Fischer arrives to. The Republic of and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's 1992 and like, Technically speaking, there is a country called Yugoslavia, and when when people write about this, they'll be like, "Oh, you played in Yugoslavia," but this is this is not like Yugoslavia in the sense of like the state that had existed up until this point. This is a basically a rump state controlled by genocidal Serbian ethno nationalists. And but by, by the time Bobby Fischer yeah. gets there, in he he gets there in late 1992, right? The the siege of Sarajevo has already begun. There's a bunch of peace protesters have already been gunned down by Serbian militias. Uh, the Yugoslav People's Army, quote unquote, is just fully under control of the sort of Serbian ethno nationalists. Is shelling yeah. the city of Sarajevo, and like, and the other thing that's important to know about, important to understand about about when Fischer gets there is that the Bosnian genocide has already started. Right. Yeah. But Bosnians, Bosnians are already you know, being Bosnian Muslims are being rounded up and killed by Serbian forces. Serbian militias have already set up concentration camps. Yeah. Uh, the, the sort of like the, the mass rape of Bosnian women has started. And, you know, we, we are like by the time Fisher is going to this place to, to, to do his first public appearance in 20 years, we are like well into one of the worst things to happen in Europe in a century that saw Europe have some of the worst things that's ever happened to 200,000 year history of humanity. Yep. And yeah, it's like by the time that by the time the tournament has started, like there are already 50,000 people dead in the series of wars that sort of the Serbian ethno-nationalists have waged against sort of Croatia and Bosnia. And, you know, OK, like to, to get a, like to get a sort of sense of how bad things are if you're Bosnian. Right. So the Serbian like ethno-nationalists have at this point, they have taken control of like one of the world's best equipped armies, right? Like, Yugoslavia was like a, a giant arms was, I mean, the, so for an idea of how good 
relatively competent the Yugoslavian military was. Read Balkan history all the way up to the period where Tito takes over, and then read Balkan history for the period where Tito is in power. Yeah. (laughs) They keep the Balkans for quite a while from going to war, and no one else really does that. Yeah, and, 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 you know, and, and, but the problem is, again, by, the, by this point, like, the, the Serbians have just fully taken over that, that yeah. army. And the, the, like, the, when, 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 the, when the war against, when, when the Croatians, like, try to, like, when the Croatians, like, leave Yugoslavia because their, their alternative is staying in there and being ruled by, like, Milosevic and these sort of, like, like, just absolutely yeah, psychotic people's heroes like, on Milosevic, yeah. Yeah, like, w- w- by the time they start this, like, the Croatians are literally, they are, like, raiding their own museums and, like, going to film sets trying to find old World War II, World War, sorry, old World War, God, why can I not say World War II? I don't Jeez. know. I, wow, hacking a fraud. Just call it WW2. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're finding old WW2 weapons. Or the old dub dub dose. That's that's my favorite way to say it. Yeah, like like they are they are they are they are like in in film sets recovering weapons that were originally like dropped or like dropped into Croatia by Tito and the Partisans in like 1943. And you know, okay, so the Cro- if you think the Croatians are in bad shape, those are the people the Bosnians are buying weapons from. <laughs> are the guys raiding their own museums for World War II era weapons? Ah, <laughs> uh, so. That's- that's going to go well, yeah. Yeah, so Bobby Fischer is playing in a, a chess tournament in a country that has already committed a genocide, right? They, they, are, they are already doing it. It has already oh. started. And this entire tournament is being run as a PR op by Gaza Jezda as this, you know, this sort of, like, statement against, like, the U.S. and U.N., like, uh, sanctions against Serbia. And, like, you know, we're, we're going to show the world how ridiculous these, like, oppressive sanctions are. And, you know, you, you can talk about how much good those, like, sanctions did or didn't do. I mean, th- there's one part of it that, like, doesn't get talked about very much, which is that – so there's a weapons embargo, right, that's imposed on on Yugoslavia. But it's also be- – be- be- Milosevic pushes for it to get imposed on literally everyone, which means that, you know, this weapons embargo is kind of fine for, like, Serb- this, this sort of Serbian army because they already have all these weapons. But, you know, the Bosnians – can't now like are under sanctions and can't buy weapons anymore and you know okay so oh wow so in an an effort to stop violence the international community (laughs) limited the group of people who already didn't have guns from getting more guns and then they were victims of a genocide good thing that's never happened again yep oh god and and, you know and like part of the other story about this is like the serbians really think and they're right for a lot of the period of time the genocide's going on like they, they think they yeah. can get the west on their side because the west will be like oh we need them to fight like islamic extremism yep and you know that famously never led to anything absolutely horrific happening uh then or later but you know the, the reason i'm talking about all of this is you know the, the the economic sanctions are still sort of wreaking havoc in serbia and by bypassing those sanctions are is like one of Gaza Jezza's like main jobs. So this guy, the guy who's like paying for this tournament, right, is running like one of the largest banks that like remains in sort of like this like shattered like Yugoslavia shell. The problem is it's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> um so he's offering 15% returns on deposits, and everyone's like, well, look at look at look at like how connected he is to like the Serbian political class. Like, would our leaders ever associate with someone crooked? No. This must be fine. It, 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 it must be that he can just get 15% returns because he's not greedy. And okay, so th- that's the part that like we can confirm he was doing is is, is, is that he's running this Ponzi scheme. Um Everything after that like, is really murky. There's there's these like persistent claims that he was smuggling weapons from Israel to the Serbian army. 
Okay. Um, yeah, the, the source of this is a, is someone who was the former Serbian Minister of Defense who like testified against Milosevic at the Hague. I I don't know. I think it's possible. I I I'm not gonna like definitively say it's true because I couldn't confirm it. But what what does seem to have been true is that this bank is part of how the Serbian government is avoiding UN sanctions. Um, Milosevic very quickly at like the when he, you know when he, when he starts start when he like starts all of these wars right he very quickly seizes like billions of dollars in foreign deposits in like Serbian banks in order to get a hold of like the value, incredibly valuable US dollars they contain. Now, okay, so it's a little bit of economicsy stuff. You need US dollars to buy things. Yes. They specifically have to be in the form of US dollars. Um, one of the most important things you need to buy with that is oil, um, which can like, it's very difficult to buy oil if it's not in US dollars. Um, yeah. And, you know, by, by getting people to invest, like, um, real American dollars or, like, German marks in this Ponzi scheme, which you can either buy things from Germany or use to get, like, dollars, the government's able to bypass the sanctions. And the bank itself, at very least once and probably other times, seems to have been, like, directly running oil through the blockade. Now, Jezda also claims that Milosevic, like, forced him to fund a bunch of paramilitary, like, death squads. And I don't know. Like, the guy's a pathological liar, so yes. who knows if that's true. On the other hand, there are a bunch of death squads in this period that are getting funded by partially the Serbian government and partially, like, incredibly sketchy stories. So who knows? He he might actually be telling the truth here. Uh, it, it's unclear. But, you know, of course, the, 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 the he's also just stealing an enormous amount of money because, again, this is all a Ponzi scheme. And... Hilariously, this this whole whole like show match that he's funding is actually like one of the things that brings down his bank because <laughs> so here's from the Washington Post. The court acted alleging that the bank had failed to make promised payments to private enterprise, which is a, another bank, including those for leasing the Svetli Stefan, the resort where Jalista staged the opening games of the chess match between Bobby Fischer and Boris uh, Boris Spassky last September. So he like defaults on like his um, rent payment for this resort. And the court seizes like a bunch of this sort of oil that he was running through the blockade. And at this point, everyone begins to sort of realize that, wait, hold on, this is a Ponzi scheme. And he he like flees to uh he, he flees to Israel and then later on is like sentenced to 10 years for like financial crime. So th- this is the guy who's running the show match. Um and, okay, he, here's from Endgame about sort of what the effect of this show match is. When the match's venue was moved to Belgrade, Slobodan Milosevic, the president of Serbia, met Bobby and Spassky and asked to be photographed with the two. He used the occasion to trumpet his propaganda to the international press. Quote, This match is important because it is played while Yugoslavia is under unjustified blockade. That, in its best ways, proves that chess and sports cannot be limited by politics. Milosevic was later charged with crimes against humanity by the International Criminal Tribunal in The Hague and died in prison. He sure did. Yeah, but, you know, the the really depressing thing about this is, like, this PR effort worked, right? There are vast swaths of sort of the international left, including, like, mainstream progressives you, like, wouldn't expect to be, you know, backing a, a, a genocidal fascist who will to this day hold that like what happened in Yugoslavia was actually like NATO tore it apart from being socialist. And, you know, like never mind the fact that Milosevic was a career banker who is like he is the guy who like does a bunch of the structural adjustments. Right. Like he like he, he, he became the butcher of the old socialist economy before he became the butcher of Bosnia. And, you know, never mind that like his turn to like genocidal ethno nationalism is like what destroyed 
Yugoslavia, never mind that like Serbian fascists carry out a genocide and almost pulled off another one. Like there are like enormous numbers of people who today believe that like what what happened in this war was like Serb resistance to NATO imperialism. It's like, okay, like yeah, like NATO sucks. Also, these people were trying to kill every Muslim in Bosnia and they almost did it. And this PR thing, right? Like the the, the other thing about about the Fisher tournament is that, like the kind of PR they get from this. This is also a key part of how of how the Serbian regime is able to sort of like keep like keep anyone else from getting involved in this by sort of playing different international powers off each other so they could get more time to seize land and do the genocide. And you know, okay, so Fisher doesn't care about this shit. Like he's like, yeah, fuck it. Like I'll 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 do I'll do propaganda for Milosevic. This is fine. Um, the U.S. tries to stop Fisher from playing the show match. So right right before. Like he's about to leave for uh, 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 for Belgrade. The U.S. Treasury sends him a letter that's like, "Do not go. It is a violation of the sanctions that we put out." Um, I'm going to read from the letter. Violations of the executive order, which is the sanctions, are punishable by civil penalties not exceeding ten thousand dollars per violation, and by criminal penalties not exceeding two hundred fifty thousand dollars per individual. Ten years in prison or both. You are hereby directed to refrain from engaging in any of the activities described above. And Fisher, Fisher's lawyer tells Fisher, like, don't play this. Like, this is actually going to go really badly for you. And Bobby Fisher's like, fuck you. Like, I'm going, to, I'm going to play this tournament. The U.S. government can't tell me what to do. And so, you know, he does. But, you know, in, in sort of classic, like, Bobby Fisher fashion, um, he, he, he throws just another giant chest, like, temper tantrum. His list of demands continue to grow. I mean, that's what uh, he does, though. Yeah, every single time. Every, and every yeah. single like, time. It's like, so it's, consistent. It's, yeah, and every single time someone sets up a chess match, they're like, Bobby Fischer will be reasonable this time. It's like, no, no, you're, you are not going to be the person that makes Bobby Fischer yeah. behave like a noble human being. He's, like, physically incapable. Yeah. And then this is, this is, uh, this, I don't, I don't know. I, I think this might be the funniest one of these that he does. His list of demands continue to grow. Justice's strategy of appeasement was to give him whatever he wanted, even though the item might not have been mentioned in the contract. Bobby rejected six tables as inadequate before asking for one from the 1950 Chess Olympics in Dubrovnik. Even though even that one had to be slightly altered by a carpenter to satisfy his demands, the pieces had to have the right heft and color when he chose the same set that had been played in the Dubrovnik Olympics. He particularly liked the small color contrast dome on the bishop's head, which prevented their being confused with pawns, which like, you are like one of the best chess players ever. How are you getting confused between a bishop and a pawn? Like, what? what I, okay, I don't know. Baffling. Uh, it's difficult to believe, but Bobby rejected one set because the length of the knight's nose was too long. The anti-Semitic symbolism was hardly lost on those who heard the complaint. Oh my God. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> uh, come on, come on, man! Don't. Yeah, are like, you fucking calling your chest pieces like? Yeah, what like, do you, I, what, I, do you I, what do you even say to that? What do you say to I, a man who's so racist? He's racist. He scrutinizes his chest pieces to see if they have Semitic noses. Like, yeah, I like what is? Well, apparently you've given five million dollars. I don't know. This is what keeps happening. They just keep yeah. they just keep giving him money. I, uh, 
So, all right. So he shows up and he, he plays this match. And a shit ton of journalists show up to cover this. And literally, there are people being herded into concentration camps two and a half hours away from where this match is being played. Right? And the journalists are like, fuck that. Like, there's a chess match going on. And and these people, and the other thing about these journalists, right? You know, okay, it would have cost them, like, zero total dollars, right, to go cover the genocide that was happening. They have to pay $1,000 to cover the event, and while they're covering the event, they get some classic Bobby Fischer lines. So there's a th- things he says to the press, quote, Soviet communism is basically a mask for Bolshevism, which is a mask for Judaism. Okay, which, yeah, I mean, that's pretty basic stuff. Yeah, yeah but, but the, the thing that strikes me about that, right, is like, okay, so there's like modern versions of it, right? But like normally they have like the Democratic Party is a mask for Bolshevism. But like, what do you mean Soviet communism is a mask for Bolshevism? It's the same thing. Like, Yeah, yeah, they, it is weird to just, say that right? Soviet communism is a mask for Bolshevism. Yeah, I don't even think like, about that. But yes, that is deeply peculiar. He has, it's I don't like know, saying he has, these CEOs are disguising themselves as capitalists. Yeah, well, like, they're not. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing that's funny about this is like when, when you read stuff about Bobby Fischer, like you will constantly hear people like screaming about how he has 180 IQ and it's like he's just saying shit like like he he, he can't even keep his anti-Semitism into like coherent anti-Semitic steps like a normal Nazi can. He's just saying this stuff. Um he also pulls like another classic of the anti-Semite genre and does the like, I'm not an anti-Semite because Jews are Semites. I'm sorry, because Arabs are Semites and I'm not anti-Arab, which is like, you know, he, he's really sort of, he's, he's developing work, the repertoire yeah. of what will become like the modern anti-Semitic stuff. Um, he has another line where he says, someone asked him how he's doing in chess and he says, I think I'm doing quite well considering I've been blacklisted for the last 20 years by world Jewry, which is just like, <laughs> yeah. you know. He's just saying this to like a bunch of reporters and then they all immediately forget about this and, you know, the genocide that is going on two hours away and, you know, everyone's back to just comparing him to Picasso and Mozart and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I got a witness like Bobby Fischer playing again. And, you know, okay, so I I think there's two things going on here. One is that like a huge, just like, this is true of the press basically forever, is that a huge portion of the press corps are made up of just like absolute hacks who just don't give a shit. And in this case, also are just like fervent Islamophobes. So they just, you know, don't care about the genocide happening outside the window. And the second part about it is that they're sort of like bewitched by this chess, right? And I think like we we have a better perspective on this than they do because, you know, this is the year 2023. I, I have seen God play chess. I have watched Alpha Zero, an AI program, like tear a 3600 rated bot apart like tissue paper in a game that like only bears like a tenuous resemblance to anything you would call chess Right. Like I, I can log into YouTube right now and watch like Magnus Carlson or like Ding Lead Ren on Cork, like the sickest shit anyone's ever seen. And, you know, and like and part of all these kind of like people are just better at chess now than they used to be. Right. All of these people who are like causing who are just like calling Bobby Fisher Picasso. It's like, yeah, OK, like we, we we have games of chess that you can look at right now that would have made every single one of these people's brains explode. Like no, nobody, nobody writes about Magnus Carlson like he's Picasso, even though, again, Carlson is, is better than Fisher is. Like it's it's basically like indisputably is better than Fisher is, and no, nobody calls him this. Like it, 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 you know, we 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 no longer have to respect Bobby Fisher's chess. It is the year twenty twenty three. My dishwasher can beat him. Not a joke. Actually, could my my dishwasher has enough computing power, and it's a piece of shit, but it has enough computing power to run a program powerful enough to beat Bobby Fisher. And I'm I'm sick and tired of pretending that like. 
that's not true anymore. And you know, you know what, like, you know what your dishwasher couldn't do is fucking take me on at at Warhammer forty thousand. That's true. It actually, Come it, on. it probably two, could two, not thou- do that. two thousand points of orcs versus two thousand <laughs> points of whatever dishwasher. you want to pick. I'll throw your ass down. Come on, dishwasher. <laughs> you can't even paint. You're not going to be able to get three colors in a base on those models. So I win by default. Uh, dishwasher. I think you can. I think no, because because you you just you okay, stole you're, a you're right. You, you might be able to make that work. <laughs> yeah, but you know, okay, like hey, back to what's happening here, right? Is it even even in the nineties, right? It's been twenty years since he did this. The Cold War is basically over, but the sort of mythos of Fisher is like still powerful enough that like all of these people are are just sitting there while the genocide's happening, fucking two hours away, and are being like, "Oh, hey, look, it's Bobby Fisher. He's playing all the chess again." And you know th- this 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 all is an enormous like PR success for Milosevic is an enormous PR success for everyone involved in this sort of genocide. And Bobby Fischer's like, okay, I can I can parlay this into getting a chess career back. Um, the problem is that in, in December of, of 1992, he gets an indictment from a grand jury for violating the sanctions in the U.S. So instead of trying to restart his chess career, he's like desperately scrambling across Europe with like some members of people who I think are like part of like the Hungarian royal family or something trying to like desperately not get like arrested for being a wanted criminal for breaking these sanctions. But you know who's not a wanted criminal for breaking sanctions? I don't know if we can promise that. I, yeah. I, it's, it's I was unclear. about to it's say absolutely I'm going to say roughly 50% of our sponsors I feel confident that it's somewhere around half of them we can prove have never been forced. Okay, you know, um, just just roll the ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Uh, and wow, I really enjoyed those ads for the Hungarian royal family. <laughs> uh, hey, look, the current president of Hungary, not great. Why not? have a king again it went great the last time austria hungary had a king everything went swimmingly uh, he made good decisions and that's why everyone was they were so happy with their king that they were like let's try a completely different series of forms of government yeah it, it was great look look the, the the first world war as we all know started in 1939 mm-hmm there was no war before that. Every every because because Austria Hungary was it was it was a yeah. Good place. It's, it's because their king went on vacation. He just wasn't yeah. watching. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. What well, one of the one of the things that so okay at this point like the the press the press has finally started to notice that Bobby Fischer's an anti semite, and their immediate thing is like oh it's because he's mentally ill. And oh, this no, old no. Yeah, like people like there are there are like chess psychologists brought in to like diagnose him. What is a, a chess psychologist? Like, how do you I are they know, are they diagnosing him based on how he chesses? Yeah, did I, you I, make I, that up? Because that seems I'm like rich. a grift. There that are, seems well, I, like a there grift. There are so many chess psychologists in this story. It is I, I didn't I didn't know this existed until like I I I read a lot of chess books. Like I I played mm-hmm. chess for years. I didn't know chess psychology existed until I opened these books. And suddenly there was like seventeen chess psychologists trying to figure out if Bobby Fischer's okay. No, and no, like, no. It's I I get parts of this because like I, I think a psychologist could tell a lot of people about how they play Warhammer Forty Thousand. For example, Dark Eldar player probably. Shouldn't be allowed to own guns. Uh, reasonable, mm-hmm. but you know, okay, like all these people are like making a lot I, of Warhammer jokes for about about six percent of the audience. Uh, you know, it's probably higher than that. It's probably like eight percent at least. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, nine. That's that seems good. <laughs> and, you know, and like I, I I think what's happening with this whole sort of Bobby Fischer like mentally ill thing is just that like. Well, there's two things. One is that they they're, they're they're treating him in the template of like, oh, there's like the 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 like the mad genius who's like so smart that he like like goes insane in the end. It's like no, like he's not actually that smart. A and B, like he it's, it's he's like it's not that he's mentally ill. He's just a Nazi, and people just like cannot get over that this person who'd been their like personal hero against the Soviets is like, you know, he could just be like a completely run of the mill Nazi, not even like a particularly good Nazi propagandist, just like a completely run of the mill Nazi yelling about people on the street. Now, okay. There are a couple of things that Bobby Fischer does uh, later in life that are like relatively famous. One of his biggest claims of fame is he invents this game called Fischer random chess, which is this chess variant where like the fish Fisher has this theory that like, like the reason chess sucks is everyone has to learn openings, which is true. You have to learn like a million moves of opening and there's all this theory and it's very annoying because people, people someone will just come in like having spent the last like 
17 years studying exactly one move order and so he's like okay well what 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 if we randomize the pieces on the back of the like on the back of the board's location so that you can't like plan what you're going to do um and this is a very this is supposedly very famously a thing that Bobby Fischer invented uh I'm I'm going to read this passage from Endgame eventually Bobby shifted his monologues from hatred of Jews to chess he became angry, however, when Laszlo showed him a book published in 1910 by the Croatian writer Isildur Gross. This book described a variant of chess that seemed to be the forerunner of Fisher Random with the exact same rules. Muttering something about Gross being Jewish, Bobby went to change the rules of his variation to make it different from Gross's. Huh. So, uh, yeah, I, he, he also, this is also the period where he starts getting obsessed with, like, preserving his genius by having a child and, like, preserving his gene pool. So he starts putting out, like, ads in the newspaper for, like, a girlfriend. Um, He's, yeah, the, the description of it is, uh, quote, they must be one, blonde and blue-eyed, two, young, three, beautiful, and four, a serious chess player. And stunningly, this doesn't work. For uh, reasons that are, in, in fact, incapable, like, we'll, we'll never understand why this failed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he also starts getting like he gets progressively more into like, like he he starts reading uh, what's his name, uh, David L. Hogan, who's one of like the most world's most like probably most influential Holocaust deniers, and you know, and but by, by by the end of the nineties, he started doing radio interviews again but the interviews are just like him doing anti-semitic rants like there's there's one where he just like he he gets on this interview and it starts and then completely out of nowhere he just he's like let me say a few words about the jews and then just starts ranting about the holocaust and you know he he also does the like yeah and the the host is like wait aren't you jewish and bobby does does the thing again where he was like i I will i will go to the little boy's room and like whip my dick out and it was just like bobby man like Mm. i mean the title of his episode at least he's consistent at least he's consistent you know you gotta respect that there he is respect is the wrong word yeah yeah, yeah, and, and this is not even like the most Semitic, anti-Semitic thing he says in radio interviews in this period. He also is getting like very, very hardcore anti-American, but like from from the anti-Semite direction. And there's a story about so he he's in Japan. He lives in Japan for a little bit, and he he has a story where he, he he goes to like he goes to a movie theater to like watch. I forget what the name of the movie is, but it's 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 some movie about Pearl Harbor. And when 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 like Pearl Harbor starts, oh, like he gets up and Tora start- Tora Tora. Maybe I I I I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know if it ever said what it was. But he like like so the, the which is Japan's- also by the way the best Pearl Harbor movie. <laughs> no, seriously, it was amazing. It was made with uh, uh, both like Japanese and American oh. film crews. It's uh, a fucking cool. incredible movie. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it came out in 1970. So I don't yeah, know. so he might have, might have been watching it. But he's like, so he gets yeah. to the part where like they're they're doing the comic, they're doing like the raids on Battleship Row, and like he he like jumps up and starts clapping, and he's like, everyone everyone else in this theater is just like a random Japanese person. Like, why is this dude clapping at Pearl Harbor? And he's just like incredibly confused why no one else is like sitting there clapping. <laughs> it. it Really? It's it's what it's the fuck? it's a whole thing. Awesome. He also there's another thing. One of the other things he's obsessed with at the end of his life is so he has this like storage locker that he put like some of his annotated chess games in, but he doesn't. He never pays the deposits. 
And so eventually they, they, they like still hold his stuff, even so they change the deposits. But then the company gets bought by another company and they're like looking through their books. And they're like, okay, we have the storage locker full of crap that's not being paid for. So we're going to auction it off. And Bobby Fisher, like someone, someone buys all of the stuff in the box and gives it to him. But for the rest of his life, he, he has this giant rant. He goes on anytime someone interviews him about how he got robbed and how there were billions of dollars of merchandise in it and how there was like a giant Jewish conspiracy and about how like Bill Clinton was secretly Jewish and like was conspiring to take the ship, this like, like holding container from him. It's, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's incredibly strange. And, and all of this culminates in this radio interview that he gives in the Philippines on 9-11. Like, literally, this is like, like, like several hours after the towers have gone down. Yeah, so I, I just want to play a little bit of like, so you can get a sense of like what Bobby Fischer sounds like when on, on this, this thing that his interview is giving a 9-11 to a Filipino radio station. This is all wonderful news. It's time for the f***ing U.S. to get their heads kicked in. He was increasingly Yeah, that yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, and, and well, you know, okay, so like <laughs> Bobby you know, It's 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 a trip. There, there's like you, you, there's interesting parts of it, which is like you can see where sort of like a like a lot of modern American political culture is going. Like that, you will hear a lot of people say shit that sounds like that, right? Like, yes, he he, he he's just combining it in a kind of weird way. Um, there's other, and I, so I played like a short bit. There's like this interview is like pretty long. He uh, there's like there's some kind of like there's kind of this like Trumpian stuff in it too. He has this whole rant about how like nobody has single handedly done more for the U.S. than me. I really believe this. I mean. Man, you, yeah, you, like you played it. You played a, a game. You, you, yeah, moved, played, you move plastic pieces around a board. And like, like, like a senior, like the like the two, like two of the most powerful American politicians who have ever lived had to like call you in order to get you to play the game. Yeah, and you know, so the the, the most famous part of and so somehow we like okay, so. As this interview goes on, it gets progressively more anti-Semitic, and he he goes on this rant about how he's hoping that like the country will be taken over by the army, and they're like the, the they'll like close all the synagogues down and then like start arresting everyone who's Jewish and like executing them. Yeah, a little QAnon-y, sure. Yeah, and and you know th- this this finally does not go well for Bobby Fischer, and I, I think like. You know, Fisher Fisher's kind of Nazism, I think, is it's something that kind of could have worked in the modern US, but the problem is like he hasn't he's gotten to a point where he just has no ability to sort of like like quote unquote hide his power level. Like all of the modern American Nazis like believe this shit. It's just that like yeah. they're they're slightly smarter than he is and don't say it out loud. Yeah, but you he's, know, he's he's a couple of moves behind, you might say. Yeah, yeah, and like, but like, if, but but you know, he's also he's also simultaneously like a bunch of moves ahead, right? Because like, the, if you look at the lines that he's taking, right, it's like pro Serbia and the Bosnian genocide, like being against the Iraq War, but also being anti-Semitic. Like these are all coherent political positions in the U.S. After he dies, yeah, it's just that like, like he even has a rant about he, how he like like appreciates the cultural purity of Islam because they're not like degenerate and shit, which mm. like could have been anti. Thing. Uh, yeah, yet another similarity between yeah. him and Andrew Tate. Yeah, it's just that like he he just wasn't like good at doing the press. 
And this finally, uh, Bobby Fischer, like finally after literally decades of him saying shit like this, and there's a bunch of other interviews before this that he's given where he says stuff like this, like finally, you know, again, and he said, he's saying shit like this, like what in a press conference in Belgrade while the genocide is going on and nobody cared, but he made a mistake, which is that he said it on nine 11 and yeah, yeah, that's not going to go well. That's that. And he, he, he is the first person on earth to learn that the line is nine 11. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Be- right before Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. Man, he like, even he beat Gilbert to the to that fucking punch. <laughs> That's one of Robert's favorite things to bring uh, up. I, I I love Gilbert Gottfried's nine eleven jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, but like Fisher, like but okay. One of the one of the enduring legacies of this though is when people write about this, right? Like. The part they're the most horrified about tends to be the celebrating 9-11 and they tend to downplay the part where he says he wants every Jew in the U.S. rounded up and killed. Like, you know, because like, again, it, it, like the, the, the thing that he violated was like what's going to become the sort of sacred tableau of like 9-11. Yeah. But, you know, and, and this, is, this is finally the moment where like the chess community turns on him. He gets kicked out of FIDE. So they let him back in later on, which is... Okay, Fide, like, sure. A choice. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't, you know, like, yeah. It, this okay. is, this is where we get to one of the like, things that I'm, I'm optimistic about the Zoomers for because you really can't exaggerate the degree to which 9 11 was a religion for oh, yeah. Americans for a very, like, most of the time that I was like a, a, an adolescent um, to a young adult. And now Zoomer kids will, like, I don't know photoshop in fucking burton ernie as the twin towers and like think nothing of it like there is it is it has been desacralized to such an extent because of how fucking far we went in the other direction and that's probably necessary i I, I will say this i like fisher i think is the is one of the few people who's ever done an 11 thing who genuinely deserves to be canceled for it like it actually deserved to be canceled a long time before this he has been saying all of this shit basically for 30 years right i mean actually 40 years because he gave his first interview where he was talking about like hating the jews in like fucking 1966 like 1962 well right look i i think i think on behalf of cool zone media and behalf of the united states i'd like to say thank you osama bin laden for canceling (laughs) getting bobby fisher canceled for all of us thank you obl Uh... yet yet another dub what? What? I really like having health insurance, so shut the fuck up. Um, Mia? <laughs> you can't get canceled yeah. for that kind of thing anymore, Sophie. Uh, you can't, Mia? Okay, so, you know, okay, it, it, like, you know, I I, I, th- I, th- I think a, a big part about this also was, the, the, like, the fact that everyone put up with this for so long was this was a sign, it I think, was this was sort of like... an incredible amount of time. Yeah! Yeah, people so were just fine long. with it. Yeah, and like this is a period where it's, until it's, it's like, a man from Saudi Arabia stepped up to. Okay. Oh my god! I th- th- this this is make I I wonder who would win in in a Bin Laden uh, Bobby Fisher anti semitism off. That would have been a. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I pretty 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 close. That, in those that's odds. A, that's an aliens versus predator situation. Yeah. if I've ever heard one. But like you know, okay, like like this is the thing, like. like Although I guess I might this. say Bin Laden did win. So that's true. <laughs> yeah. He, he he lived longer than Fisher did, so mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like you know, okay, like like Bobby Fisher, like this was the U.S.'s guy in the Cold War, right? Like he he was America's hero, and like this is this is this is the guy that he is. But like it, it's interesting, Fisher is smart enough to recognize that he was just like 
nobody actually like cared about him, right? He was just a sort of like a, a tool of like like the, the 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 American Cold War machine. But he's a neo-Nazi. So the conclusion he draws from this is just like more neo-Nazium, neo-Nazism. But on the other hand, after 9-11, the U.S. actually like starts planning to go after him. And in 2003, the Justice Department, in a move that is defined by the Bush administration's inc- incredibly questionable grasp on legality, like revokes Fisher's passport without telling him. Now, they can't uh, actually do this. It's like, funny, but uh, not. But not, yeah, like yeah. it's, you know, the, 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 the Bush administration versus Bobby Fisher is another one of those sort of alien predator things. Like, uh-huh. ugh, it's not good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, in, in 2004, Bobby Fisher is in, he's in Japan. He's trying to like fly home to the Philippines and he gets arrested. Now, this is kind of funny in that, like, Bobby Fischer getting arrested in Japan is, like, he, 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 like, he really went to Japan thinking these guys were, like, his boys, and then they, they hold him in airport jail, which is apparently a thing that exists, and then move him to a maximum security, like, immigrant detention facility, because he just keeps on, like, complaining and getting in fights with the guards, and okay, Incredible. so like, yeah, like <laughs> it's it's like at one point he starts complaining that his soft boiled eggs were actually hard boiled, and this 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 leads to him getting into a fight with his prison guards. Awesome. Um, like, he, I mean, the, I mean, there is a really big difference there. It's true. I'm like, and, and th- this is. I'm like, this is uh, also little, you know, solidarity on the egg issue. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and also like, like Bobby Fischer is not a good guy, right? But it's also worth noting that like every single Japanese police officer is at all times two bad days away from like yeah. hoisting the rising sun flag and hunting down every Korean in a three mile radius. So this this is another they both suck <laughs> situation. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, like you said, alien predator versus predator. <laughs> yeah, and, and at this point, so Bobby like is really trying to fight getting extradited to the U.S. because if they send him back to the U.S., the Bush administration will just put his ass in prison for like a decade. Yeah. Yep. And so he tries to renounce his U.S. citizenship so he get deported somewhere else. Except the problem is, in order to renounce your citizenship, like formally, someone from the embassy has to show up and see you do it, and the embassy refuses to send anyone. So Fisher just Fisher just does it on his Can't own. Even and, renounce your yeah, citizenship, wait, right? Wait, I just read where he tries to get asylum. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, it's so oh, good. Oh, it's okay. so funny. So yeah, okay. So so for the rest of his life, right? He claims that he's not a U.S. citizen, and the U.S. citizen, and the U.S. claims that he is still a U.S. citizen. And so he tries to get asylum, and the wait for he tries it, to get asylum for, for Robert. Wait, wait for this list. I'm waiting. It's I'm waiting. All right, all right. I am here. Germany, Cuba, North Korea, Libya, Iran, Venezuela, Switzerland, and Montenegro, all of whom are like, no, fuck off. Wow. <laughs> Libya wouldn't even take him. When Muammar Gaddafi won't take you. Well, like, okay, you, to be, you to have... be fair, to be fair to Bobby Fischer here, this is 2003 Muammar Gaddafi, who's like cozying up to the Bush administration. So this, yeah. is, this is the worst time to be this asking is, Gaddafi. This is the worst time, but he is also... <laughs> but still... <God. laughs> It's, it's really and North incredible. Korea, they love taking yeah. people in if it'll piss off the United States. Yeah, and even they're like, I, I don't know about this guy. Like, yeah, we ooh. don't. We don't need look, <laughs> North, like, North Korea doesn't need this press. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And uh, while while he's in like immigration prison, I, I I don't know how to preface this, so I'm just gonna read it. 
Fisher then announced that he was going to marry Mayoko Wat- Watai, his longtime companion. I could be a pawn sacrifice, he said to the press. But in chess, there is such a thing as pawn promotion, when a pawn can become a queen. Bobby-san is my king, and I will become his queen. Which, okay. I, I got nothing. I don't know. I <laughs> He... So they get married, and after nine months, Bobby's able to assemble, like, an incredibly elite team of random guys from Iceland. And because there's only seven people in Iceland, like, these random guys in Iceland are able to convince the Icelandic parliament to, like, give him citizenship. And so he's able to get, like, I I think it's... What? He wound up getting a good one. How the fuck did that happen? Well, here's the thing, though. He hates Iceland. Well, okay, I guess that's and so fine. He that's one of the better citizenships to it's have. It's true, yeah, it's a good one, but I I don't know. He, he somehow finagles this. Icelandic politics is a joke. You um, son of a bitch. You guys, I want you guys Icelandic could have citizenship. You didn't. Look, Iceland, if you're out there, give me citizenship. You'll get all of the benefits of having Robert Evans as a citizen. Mm-hmm. I, I assure you there's some. Yeah, we, we, we will be compiling Don't, a list, which we'll get after you give him citizenship. Oh, yeah. No, we'll have a long list. It's going to, you're going to, everyone will be doing real well when I'm a citizen. I'm going to bring pride to Iceland. So Bobby, on the other hand, he, he hates Iceland. He spends the rest of his life just like pissing off all of his friends. And by, by the time he dies in a hospital, well, okay, so he doesn't even want to be taken to a hospital, but he's, like, so fucked up that, like, his, like, two remaining friends are, like, okay, we're bringing to a hospital and he dies there. And by this time, he has, like, very little left. And, okay, this would be the end of the story of Bobby Fischer, except three years after fucking he died. Sorry? I said it fucking ought to be. Yeah, but it's not, because uh, <laughs> he, three, three years after he dies, they, they have to dig up his body to settle awesome. a legal fight about who would get all of his money, which I, 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 I think How I, I think that's a How does digging up his way. body yeah, settle what? that? Well, because, okay, so he, uh, there's a whole thing where he was, like, with several people, and I, I, I forget which of his, like, wives, kind of, or people he was with, like, claimed that someone, that, like, their son was his son, but it turned out that uh, that son was actually another person's son, and so they had to Jesus. do, uh, they had to dig up his grave a, to do mess. genetic testing. Well... <laughs> Yeah, that is that 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 is the story of Bobby Fischer chestnut. It's at least it's at well, least funny. It is. Yeah, he. I I don't I don't know if getting to live out the rest of his life in Iceland is like what he deserved, but he was miserable. So sometimes that's all you can hope for. Yeah, he died very sad. That's well, nice. that's that's mostly what I wanted for Bobby was for yeah. him to die sad because yep. I don't like him. Do you have any uh, pluggables for us, Mia? Yeah, I, I do a podcast called It Could Happen Here. Um, wow, brave. Listen to it, and yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter at itmechr3, and you can find me there doing stuff. Cool. Hell yeah! Well, that's gonna do it for all of us here at whatever this is, the podcasting emporium of Mister Magorium. Um, until next week. Don't play chess. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. 
If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.